I'm Justin Lassick. <clears throat> and I'm Mike Battle. And you're listening to 70s Big Radio. Also live stream on Instagram. Yeah, which this is the audio is not live, so there's really no reason to say that. But all right. So uh, I don't know when the last time we did a podcast was, but it was six years. Probably six years ago, minimum. Uh, but Mike is here at my house in Colorado. Uh, we have a fire and puppies lying down. Maybe they'll make an appearance. But uh, super excited to do this. We've been talking about it for a long time. I don't remember how to upload this. I don't remember how to do any of this anymore. Uh, so we'll, I'll figure that out later. At the very least, it'll go on YouTube. But the people that are live streaming can listen to it later. And eventually, I want this shit back on iTunes. But let's get on with it. Yeah, you haven't forgotten how to do your hair, though. That's for sure. Thanks. So the uh, one of the major things that keeps popping up and that you'd probably do after having a six-year break and doing anything is talking about uh, what everybody's been doing since then. Uh, I've had a different type of job. Maybe someday we'll get into that, but not right now. Uh, but uh, Not right now. <laughs> but uh, been basically uh, expanding the knowledge on medical and physical therapy and all kinds of stuff in, uh, in congruence with that job. What have you been up to? Uh, ooh, I didn't know we were going to get into that. Uh, well, let's see. So I separated from active duty. I started a civil service career. I talked through chief for a while. I developed officer courses for a while for the United States Air Force. And now I'm doing some a community support function for the installation I work at. Uh, pause on that, Mike. Yeah, we're pausing. You guys in the chat, can you hear Mike okay on Instagram? Can you hear Mike okay? Oh, we're, we're, you got a, I'm assuming a thumbs up. I don't know. I good. feel like that thumbs up was. Oh, now there's a wave. Now there's. All right, a all right, let's just go back to it. All right, cool. Okay. So right. Uh, you uh, you have a wonderful wife. Yeah. And yeah, baby, a wonderful baby. Yeah, five and a half months old. Uh, awesome. So congrats on all that. Thanks, man. Uh, so then uh, moving on. Oh, somebody said yes, so they can hear you. Yeah. Uh, next thing, uh, we'll just kind of go through the crew. Yeah. If you want to hit them up, because most okay, of them are around so, you. Uh, Let's see. So where's everyone at? Oh, Bront? Is it Bryant? Brent? Brent Kim. Bront Cum. Uh, yeah, he lives in uh, he lives in Dallas, America. Uh, he's doing his uh, actually, on the on the planet America, the right? Planet America. Okay. Yeah. So Brent's still doing his his weightlifting thing. He doesn't compete quite as much anymore. Actually, I would strongly encourage people to follow him on Instagram because his Instagram videos have gotten a little more ridiculous lately, as he describes his own lifting technique, and he's gotten into uh, building a bigger engine uh, for his machine through conditioning. So that's been quite fun to watch. He needs mm -hmm. to write a book. So if you want Brent to write a book, uh, I would say just shoot him several hundred messages a day and tell him to write a book. Uh, I think that'd be a great idea. Emphasis on hundred. Hundreds of messages. Chris is still running Dallas Strength and Conditioning. He's been doing that for, I think this summer is going to be five years. Uh, he's not competing uh, quite as much anymore, but he's still, you know, he likes to get ready for beach season every year. So he does a ton of bench press, um, really works the pectoralis. Uh, does a lot of squats. So he's married, has two kids. He's married, but two children. Two children. Chris is a dad. Chris is a dad. Dad. And, uh, and so if you ever want to hang out with Chris, you can go to Dallas Strength and Conditioning. Uh, if you ever want, we'll get to you in a second, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, AC is still in Georgia. He is a strength coach uh, for the company that he works for. He works for, I think they do, I think they build applications, and then he does. He does a lot of coaching for them, and then he still goes to a lot of Metallica concerts. He does those things. If you follow him on Instagram, you know that. And who else? Are we? That's the the main main part of the crew, yeah. 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 I guess. Uh, sweet. 
Uh, also, you uh, you're running Chrono Strength, mm -hmm. which is your kind of little endeavor, yeah. and uh, you basically have a, a group of dudes that follow. They they kind of pay for some online programming, but they they kind of follow a template, and you watch all their videos. Yeah, so it's like it's it's kind of like I think I run a team, a team of uh, ladies and gentlemen that. You know, they're, they all, we all work towards kind of one, one or two competitions at the same time. Like right now they're working on training for USAPL, Military Nationals, and the, the competition that I'm hosting at the end of March, which is the, this should be the third annual Elysian Field Strongman Challenge uh, that we were on. This all started with, with Gant Grimes back in the day. If you remember Gant from 70s Big, Gant started these competitions. At this point, we've done eight Highlanders. And this will be our third Elysian Field. So this is, you know, we've done quite a few competitions and we like to donate to a different charity each year. This is a pure strongman. So this is, that's going to be a farmer's walk with a turn, a Conan's wheel, a car deadlift, uh, last person standing, uh, log clean and press, and a sandbag toss for max height, which they broke my sandbag today training. So if you're watching this, I promise I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at Rogue. Anyway. Uh, when you say last man standing, yes. is that is that by Russian roulette or is that uh, oil? Yeah, there's some firearms is involved. That lubed up wrestling or uh, sure, yeah. Like how do you to. how do you determine if someone is no longer standing? Uh, they just, would they would be sitting. They'd be they, they'd miss the log press to the degree that they would fall over. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. Um, sweet. So uh, one of the dudes on there said, "Please revive the site." <laughs> uh, so that or like the. The uh, continuity, like I would like to do something like Mike. Uh, it would be in the future though, where there's like a little group of people following uh, like a training template and uh, kind of getting some guidance. But <clears throat> there's just not a lot of time for me to do that. So if you're wanting more of this stuff, like I'm, I have a lot of content uh, ideas and that just haven't put you know pen to paper because when I'm not at work, I don't want to get into work. But there are uh, maybe if you guys en enjoy like this little cast or. Uh, this podcast, then maybe that'll give us a little incentive to work on a little bit more. But in any case, uh, the reason that there's nothing with the site or anything is all me. Uh, and if you want to follow Mike, Mike is pretty uh, active with his little community and uh, he posts stuff as his training all the time. Uh, speaking of which, yeah. why don't you just talk about what you're, you kind of mentioned what you're training for, but we'll talk about what we're training because there's been a couple of questions. So I think I up. was, uh, last time I was bigger, Mike. Together. Oh yeah, big big Mike. Big Mike. So before, I think the last time I saw Justin, I was probably, I was at least 280, I think. But I got up to close to 300 when I was trying to compete with the heavyweight strongman. It just wasn't working for me. I just couldn't. I just my static strength. I couldn't hang with them. Uh, so I decided to about two years ago. I decided to become a regular a heavyweight, so 265, and then still didn't want to do that. So I decided to become a middleweight. So went in about 230. And then the past year was my first full year competing as a, as a 231. And it went really well. I had a, did a couple of powerlifting competitions. That, those went well. And then I did a couple of, I got close, you know, I'm getting close to my all-time PRs with powerlifting being 70 pounds lighter, which is nice. And then I did a couple of middleweight strongman competitions. And those went well. So this year I've got to probably train for a bigger strongman competition in the middle of the year. And then we're going to do USAPL Military Nationals together in Killeen, Texas. Just had a great time last time we were in Colleen. Justin was there. <laughs> that was, that, yeah, that was that was a fun time. 2012 uh, Nationals, Raw Nationals. 
Yeah, before it got so big that when that's when there weren't a thousand. You know, there are a thousand people that go to nationals every year, right? That compete. Yeah, a thousand. Holy shit! So now we went to the first one that was in Denver, right? Yeah, the, the one we went to in Denver. That was, was like the, Denver, uh, Scranton, Denver, Scranton, and Colleen. Denver, Scranton, Colleen. Yep. And then I did one more in Orlando, and then started. To, I took a few years off, and then Chris and I went back to Scranton in fifteen, and then I I haven't gone back to run nationals. It's just it's I don't know. It's a little bit too big now. Like there was a meet. In town, the same, you know, a week before or a week after Ron Nationals. What's in town mean? Uh, Wichita or, Falls, Texas. Okay. Wichita Falls, however you'd like to call them. I can't tell you how many people still ask me all the time. They're like, did you train at the All the time I get that question. I'm like, no, I train in my home gym because, like, I do strongman stuff. Your, so. your gym's pretty sweet. Yeah, you know, I've invested a little bit. square feet. 900 square feet. How many? Four squat racks? Yep, you gonna want you gonna want more of that? Nah, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty okay. I'm pretty but regular for now. Okay. Uh, you have Atlas. What kind of strongman stuff you have? Like implements? You have yoke? You have uh, what some... do I have for strongman? Is this some kind of joke? So let's see. I have, I've got a ton of kegs, a ton of sandbags, a bunch of circus dumbbells, a bunch of logs, a bunch of Atlas stones, a, ho- a bunch of a few Husafell stones, a Magnuson carry, a frame, a few sets of farmer's handles. A couple of yokes. I'm trying to go around the gym in my head. A stone of steel. So Mike Bardo's power center. I know you're not probably not familiar with Mike, but he makes a lot of stuff with washers in it. All of his stuff has washers. So I periodically be like, like little men who wash plates. Yeah, little men who wash plates. Okay. So in inside, I have a big top circus dumbbell. It has washers. It's plate loadable. It's all old school looking. Yeah, his stuff has a lot of washers in it. Uh, strongman throw bag that we broke today. Apparently, I'm not there, so Ricky broke that, but it's cool. Still love him. You know, he sent me a picture of the zipper. Figured I'd be really mad, but you know, I'm just a little sad. Uh, what else? Axles, jerk boxes, bunch of old school dumbbells. I don't know, just a lot of a lot of stuff. Every time I come across a good deal, I, and a Conan's wheel. I recently got a Conan's wheel. Yeah. So if you want to hang out, with Mike, then he's in, hit me up. He's in Wichita. At he's Chrono in Wichita. Strike. Wichita Fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been skiing a lot, so, uh, that's kind of interfered with training a little bit. Like I, I hang out between like 205 to 210 most of the time. Uh, 201? 205. 205. Okay. To 210. Uh, and, uh, it's all train, uh, work stuff gets in the way of training quite a bit, but I'll, I'll I still will do the fun, like the standard lifts. I'm not really doing any of the weightlifting again, uh, uh, jacks up my knees and kind of interferes with recovery for other stuff. Um, but doing a lot of conditioning too, like uh, sprints, uh, assault bike stuff. I live at 8,500 feet. So the, all that stuff is very difficult here. Uh, starting to row a little bit more, but assault bike and sprinting and uh, sl- pushing sleds, chopping wood. chopping wood. We chopped wood yesterday. Um, yeah. So but I've been skiing a lot. I've been like 20 days this year. Um, and uh, I like to get off piste, off groomers, and get rowdy in the pow. Rowdy in the powed. Rowdy in the pow. Rowdy in the pow. Is what we is what the is what we say all the time. <laughs> yeah, but we don't ever say that. Uh, but yeah, skiing's sweet, and uh, it's it's di- it's interesting doing like an activity that um, is disrupted the training and other stuff in life like work to the point where like having to like train around that. So like, if I go on the weekend. If I go on a Saturday and Sunday or just a Saturday, I'll take like two days off and then I'll squat early in the week. So by the time 
the weekend comes, I've got fresh legs to just fucking attack skiing because I like to do it really aggressively. I'm not like awesome at it, but I'll go on Black Diamond. He does everything aggressively. Drives aggressively, drinks coffee aggressively, music aggressively. Your nighttime routine aggressive. (laughs) Do you think it's aggressive? So you should talk. I mean, you should talk about the red line. We're gonna talk about sleep because I think sleep is a huge that. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but okay. uh, Mike was amused. I was walking around with a red lens headlamp, and uh, brushing your teeth with the red lens headlamp. That's that. That is how I live. <laughs> All right. So one of the I want to get into a question real quick. Okay. I don't know if I can look at things while this is casting. Mm-hmm. I have the question in my. I have a couple of questions in my head from reading them, but I don't know if I can see new ones on Twitter and Instagram. Ask on here. You, can, you can probably see them. Just well, that, like that's assuming that person is live on here. There's a guy on here who said he's in Chile. There's Chile. Chile. Said he lives. Yeah. Well, true, which is <laughs> mildly not true, but no. But there's a guy in Chile. He's doing. Uh, I think he said he's doing power cleans. So, uh, so uh, assalamu alaikum, which is not what you say in Chile, but <laughs> uh, Jay, you remember Jay Staffield? Staffield. He goes, "What's wrong with Wolfie?" Oh, Wolfie? I can hear him barking. <laughs> Wolfie's fun, honey. Wolfie's just fun. Ching. Where yeah. are you? <laughs> where are you? Your foster parents are dead. Uh, I still do a lot of Terminator 2 quotes. Not as many as I used to, but I still... Yeah. You won a, uh, an online competition with... I don't want a shirt from Spot Me, bro. I don't even know if that's a site anymore. Wasn't it for your foster, for that quote, your foster parents are dead? <laughs> yeah, everyone, they're like, what's the best Arnold quote? I said, your foster parents are dead. I also like, nice night for a walk. That one's a good one. It is, but it's like, it's more traditional versus your foster parents are dead, which people are just like. <laughs> I also like, you can't just go around killing people. Why not? I'm a Terminator. Like, that one's good. We should watch, we should watch Terminator 2 and live stream us watching it. Um, so then... Uh, I'm going to see if this, all this stuff is mostly on Instagram. Facebook is a thing of the past, really. And I would have to say I haven't really looked at it in six years. Uh, But nobody's commented on that. That's good. We got a lot of questions on Instagram. Uh, This is really, not only is this good podcasting, this is good casting of trying to figure out technology. So you need a good look at your hair, though, so it's okay. Hey, real quick, like while we're doing this, so I was telling Justin earlier that a lot of people that used to follow the site still reach out to me periodically for coaching, and they'll be like, yeah, I've been following your stuff for years. We, we followed in on 70s big, and there were people that were following them, like when they were deployed, and like, yeah, but that's, you know, we just, we watched 70s big, and we read all the article posts and followed your guys' competitions and whatnot, uh, but there was a, a guy I was telling Justin about named, named Steve, and him and his wife just, uh, had their second daughter last night. He was, he said it happened during deadlifts. Like he was deadlifting and he had to go the call and had to go to the hospital. So I was going to be like, did you finish the session? I mean, you, you could have just knocked out like an AMRAP, you know, got your volume in, but it's fine. No, I'm <laughs> that's that awesome. Is he one of your guys? He is. He is. Okay. Yeah. But he followed the site for, I don't know. Gosh, you started in what? Was it 08 or 09? 2009, September 2009. And then, like, and I moved here two months later. Yeah. You got there in like October, November, 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 yeah. November. Uh, all right. So I have a bunch of topics. I want to get if if I turn this off, then you guys just log back on when it, when I get back. What are you trying to do? I'm trying to look at all the. Uh, I can't minimize this. I have to end the live video to look at the messages. So we'll be oh. back. We'll be back in a second. 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and pause the podcast because this is terrible podcasting. Stand by. And we're back. Windows all over. All right. So uh, just acquired some of the questions that were on my phone. Uh, apparently, you can just pause the video if you minimize it. Whatever. All right. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Reasonable question. Go ahead. Uh, well, are we going to get pretty dark here? I mean, uh, my dad passed away about a year and a half ago, but my dad was badass. So he's a great man. Great man. I miss Thanks him. for bringing it up, Mark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, Mark. Appreciate that. I haven't seen that dude in a long time. Old Mark Murata. Update. Okay, what does your training look like now? Justin kind of already touched on that. Oh, yeah, so we both of us talked about that. Yeah. What stuff? This is uh, this is from Ryan Evans on uh, the Twatter. What are, most awesome story as of late? What cool shit have you all been doing? Most awesome story as, as of late? Do you have an awesome story? I was just gonna say the awesome story has to do with the American Airlines losing my bag. Go ahead. Well, it was just it was it was almost comical. You know, they they went back and forth. They're like, it'll be there at five, seven, nine, eleven, five thirty in the morning. When you wake up, it'll be there. And then uh, shout out to Denise who, uh, who hooked me up on the phone. And she, yeah, she was so nice. Shout out to <laughs> Come on. I mean, she obviously just gets yelled at all day for people that are just furious at her who did not contribute at all uh, to losing their bag. But And then it ended with some dude walking up Justin Street because he didn't want to drive through the snow. And he's just walking with my bag, like looking at his phone, just walking by. Justin goes, hey, there's your bag. And uh, now the bag's here. Now I got the 70s big shirt. Hey, you can still buy these. The Spreadshirt store still exists. Also, uh, a dude asked that, where can he get 70s big merchandise? So I don't really get any money from the Spreadshirt thing per per item. But the shirts are still on there and all the same designs that are on there. Maybe they'll be updated. But if you just go to 70sbig.com, I think there's the store icon. They're on there still. So still works uh, if you're ever wanting that stuff. And then... Uh, I'd, I'd like to get tank tops on there because I haven't – I have a tank top still, but yeah. it's, it's getting old. So do you want to answer this question? I think this is a pretty good one. Sure. This is from screenshotted question. Uh, <laughs> this is from replied to your story. I don't know. I don't know who this is from. Yeah, I'm, I screenshotted these and sent them to Mike, and uh, so I don't know who sent this. Somebody what, from Instagram. What are some solutions to general training burnout? I don't know. If you can go ahead or you want – So I think one of the – one of the Gant used to always say this when when uh, we lived in Texas yeah. and everything, but Gant would always like fill, funnel people into competing in something because it mm. keeps it keeps your your attention on something and then you're training for an actual particular event or uh, a competition. So it like funnels your training into something and gives you purpose because okay. the because we say the word training in order to. Uh, provide purpose like training is for a goal like the goal can be to get stronger to get more conditioned the goal really could be to like be healthy too uh but we would we say the word training in order to imply that you're training for a task like a goal and so if you don't have a specific goal to train for and you're just generally like i want to be stronger that's that's kind of weak so competition definitely funnels into this so every year we used to do this thing called letter of intent day on the website Hmm. where like in january it'd be like Hey, what are you going to fucking do this year? Like what, what competitions are you going to commit to? Or like, what are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to hit like a 400 pound squat, 500 pounds, 600, whatever. Uh, so that definitely funnels people into things. When I met Chris uh, early on and we were kind of becoming friends and not quite super good friends yet. I was like, what are you, what are your goals? 
and he was deadlifting around 450 for five at the time. And he weighed like, I want to say like probably like 235, 240. And I was like, what are your goals? And he's like, I want to deadlift 600 for five. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I was like, like you're deadlifting 450 for five. That seems very lofty. But then like, the fucking dude did that. I don't know so, how. I don't know how much longer. It was probably. It was definitely not more than eighteen months because that's the time I spent in Texas. So it was probably like within a year. He fucking. So he pulled six hundred for five. I think. I think right after the first time he pulled seven hundred. So oh, that yeah, would be yeah. the beginning of twenty twelve. So he pulled. Oh yes, yeah, so I did move away. So it took him a couple years. He took that Arkansas shirt is still hanging on my wall because we. The joke was that he was gonna. Deadlift 600 for five, and then the shirt would explode off of his body. The shirt, I mean, it was so tattered and gross by the time it was done. But that shirt's still. Oh, I up. forgot about that. That he was, actually, de- it was yeah. his deadlift shirt. I think he pulled 600 for six. I think he actually did it for six the first time. So, like, in that instance, we didn't, we weren't competing at the time, but he was like, I want to accomplish this. And then we just fucking worked towards it. And then, like, it wasn't long that he, he gained a lot of body weight because his back was fucking huge. Yeah. It was like he weighed like 235, 240, and then we were training together. I was like, dude, your your back looks fucking huge. How much do you weigh? And he was like, I don't know. And then I was like, well, let's go weigh yourself. And then he was 275. And then like another two months went by, and I was like, dude, you look fucking huge. Like how how much do you weigh? And he's like, I don't know. And he was like 290. So like, he, was eating, he was eating a bunch of food, and then he was drinking a bunch of natural light. I think that was a combination of those things. Coors. I think he did. I remember one time it was uh, it was when we were still doing 5x5, so he must have been on Texas Method. But he had either gone on vacation the previous weekend or just drank a bunch of beer. And that Tuesday, like, it was a rough session, but I think he hit a PR 5x5. And I was like, dude, have you been, like, you look pretty big today. He's like, yeah, a lot of beer. A lot of beer this weekend. But he gave me. I think he ended up squatting five, at least five hundred for five to five. I know he, uh, I know he had to hang out around there. Yeah, like I think when he was doing five by five, I think the most—it's hard for me to remember—but I think the most he did was around five thirty. But he squatted uh, six sixty six in that one meet, and then pulled seven eleven. Mm-hmm. Anyway, six sixty one. Oh, uh, it wasn't. Yeah, three hundred kgs. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> is that. When training is getting burned out or you're just burned out on training, like, you should figure out why. Like, if it's not fun, like, sometimes having a good training partner keeps it fun and there's kind of, like, that accountability. Like, yeah. the all of us used to train together and then I've had various training partners all the way dating back to, like, football in high school. But, like, you remember your good training partners. Mike has, like, a he could, what, up to nine people might come on a Saturday? Yeah. Yep. So that's, like, a lot of dudes that'll come and, like, fucking do strongman shit. So that, that makes stuff fun. That's what York Barbell used to do back in the day on Saturdays. They would have huge training. Uh, just they, they'd all train together and have like a barbecue. So like stuff like that can be fun. If you don't have access to people or things like that, then. Sort of like a like cardboard cutouts. <laughs> I just, there's a meme that's like, this is me podcasting or listening to podcasts. And it's a kid and he's sitting next to just a picture of three other people. And he's like, <laughs> like having a good time with them, <laughs> which is a uh, part of my life. Just, uh, you know. Listen to podcasts and be by yourself. So uh, by yourself, Nana and uh, the dogs are asleep, so they're not helpful. So if if otherwise, maybe the type of template you're on is kind of stale, or maybe the type of activity you're you're into is stale. Like if you're just lifting, I I personally, if you're just if you're not a professional in anything, which I would assume that pretty much everybody that's watching or listening to this, they're not a fucking professional. So. Oh, big Chris Riley joined. Oh. oh. We just got done talking about him. We just talking about you. 
Yeah. Anyway, I love you, Chris. But uh, if uh, if you're doing the same type of training, then then mix it up. Like I think that if you're not a professional, then you need conditioning in your program for health reasons, and we can talk about that. In a well, kind of, I'll go into these tangents. So I've I've been really into. He said, "Great, right?" So I've been been really into uh, CS. Somebody said. I've been really into uh, learning a bunch of different type of stuff. And so Rhonda Patrick was on the Joe Rogan podcast a lot. And uh, she's, she has like a bunch of uh, information on like SNPs and genetic polymorphisms and stuff. So that's kind of a tangent away from this conversation. But so she looks at a lot of research about the type of exercise and then the effect it has on the brain, mm. not just the body, but the brain. So like doing high intensity conditioning has a different effect on your brain in a positive way than just doing uh, more endurance type stuff. So that, that, uh, that lower slow, uh, that long, slow distance type mentality has benefit to the brain in a different way that high intensity conditioning does in a different way that strength training does. And all of them are important. So like keeping the brain crisp, important, like crisp, meaning like, uh, uh, like normal brain function and taking care of it so that when we get older, we're not going to like, uh, divulge into some like Alzheimer's or any kind of dementia. That's a huge part of uh, how I eat and stuff now because I did the genetic testing, did use 23andMe, took the raw data, put it into uh, uh, Rhonda Patrick's website, and it spit out all these polymorphisms and that in, that they have identified that have to do with uh, different aspects of metabolism or nutrition. But there's these alleles that when you have one of them, it increases your chance of Alzheimer's roughly like two times. So two times likelihood of getting Alzheimer's, no TBIs or anything. It's just like your, your risk factor. If you have an allele from both your mom and your dad, it's like an 11 to 15 times likelihood. So I've got two alleles and then I, I played football in college. So I, and then I've had a different type of exposure to uh, stuff to my brain with work that results in me being kind of worried about having stuff going on later. So I do a lot of stuff with sleep and nutrition that have an effect on that. So we can talk about that a little later, but like, that was all an illusion. That was I brought all that up because there's different types of exercise that influence your brain, and conditioning is important not only for your health but your brain. So, if you're not doing conditioning, then you should start learning how to do that, and it can be simple things. But uh, what kind of stuff do you do for conditioning? Because I know you do it in a way that's for your performance, right, for strongman. But you also do a lot yeah, of other shit too. Yeah, but I just I, I also kind of do it. Maybe. You know, maybe I even do it more more for that than I do for the for the strongman. Yeah. So, no, I go on a lot of uh, you know, I go on a fair amount of walks. I go on three or four walks a week. Uh, I do some kettlebell EMOM stuff every week. I do snatches and cleans on the minute. I do a lot of a lot of air dine, a lot of rowing. Uh, yeah. So a mixture of high intensity stuff and some and some aerobic endurance things. So the I uh. I usually, re not so much now because of the weather and uh, doing a lot of skiing, but like typically I would sprint every week, like 400s, which that's pretty much like a baseline thing. And w if you're over like 220, 230, maybe not so much, but like a baseline thing that would help any job that requires physical activity or uh, just maintaining a certain level of like capability and athleticism is doing 400 meter sprints. And I think, do you know who Mark Sisson is? Mm -hmm. So Mark Sisson is the primal blueprint guy. He is like the whole food brand out now. And I saw a thing on one of his social media. It was like, I haven't run farther than 400 meters in 10 years. Like he only sprints because it's like he does the interval stuff. He does a lot of paddle boarding too. So he's still doing like endurance efforts, but like he doesn't, he used to be into like triathlons and shit like that. And now he, 
only sprints 400. So, like, but 400 meter sprints is like one of the best fucking things you could do just to maintain. And if uh, you can build up to that, uh, if you wanted to get really nitty gritty, like in Fit, that book I wrote with Dr. Kilgore and Hartman, we talk. I, yeah, I do a whole. I do a whole section on how to like progress the different variables of 400s, but like 400s by themselves is like a great thing. Or you can get on an actual piece of machinery, like a rower, uh, an, an assault bike, which I have an assault bike and I use it all the time. So you can do any type of intervals. It can be simple as like 30 on, 30 off, 60 on, 60 off, 90 on, 90 off, or any variation thereof. Like you, you were talking about, I know one of my friends does 30 on 90 seconds off because he's going really hard for the 30. And so sometimes I'll just do minute on, minute off, and I'll, I'll cap it to certain wattage so that my heart rate is going to not go higher than 150, 160, which is, I want to say, like not really breaching into the 80 percentile range or like above 80 percent. So like you can do things that are like 20 to 40 minutes that are in a lower uh, heart rate range if you're tracking your heart rate, which I do all the time now for all my training sessions. Uh and then that's that provides the cardiovascular benefit, the brain benefit. And then there's a huge component, which I'll, I'll get weird and talk about all the things. But, like, I'm all about all the holistic health things. So, like, the mental and emotional health are augmented by these cardiovascular type activities, too. So, if you're feeling shitty or, like, you ended up drinking or you just had a uh, – whatever, you're busy and you do have a busy weekend, even doing, like, something lower intensity, 10 to 20 minutes is something that you just feel better if your body feels really junky from doing something like bike, biking, low impact stuff is fucking awesome. So yeah, yeah, it's, so sometimes I'll just, I'll just go out there and just low intensity and don't even like put my hands on the assault bike. Like just sit there for like 10 or I've taken a book out for like 20 minutes and read, I know you used to do book stuff. Walking well, I read on, on the, the, on the when I walk during lunch, I read on the treadmill. Yeah. So, uh, you know, earlier in the, in the beginning of the website, Oh, Bront come is in the house he's we're, we're he gonna just joined us all right so we, we pod- talked about brent several times podcast right? is over uh we'll see you guys later no uh so the the cardiovascular stuff like early in the website we was like eating and lifting and we were kind of like i mean we're i was 23 or something like all of us were early 20s and you can do stuff like an asshole in your early 20s but i'm fucking 32 now and uh, you uh, yeah like how your body is going to function on certain types of diet and certain types of lack of conditioning. Like it's hard to recover from that. And so you see a lot, 300 pounds. Yeah. I mean, like Mike looks great. He's 230 now. He obviously weighs 300 at a time. Like that's, it's fucking insane. And it's just not good for you. So this wasn't wasn't worth it. it Cardiovascular stuff is, is good for all those reasons. The mental, emotional health, uh, the actual, improvement on your system which is just a general term i use for all those like you have your skeletal system muscular system nervous system immune system cardiovascular system respiratory like all that stuff makes up just the body right the system so like it's when you do those lower intensity things it just you get circulation of blood flow you clear out lymphatic you clear out your lymph system easier so if you have inflammatory waste in your limbs or you have any kind of edema from just being swollen from training or doing stupid shit uh or you have drank and you, or you're sick, like the lighter efforts will just like they get your blood circulating is just good for you. And it's a positive influence on your hormones and shit like that. Do you want to, can, can I just a quick, I mean, I know we've been on this question for a while. Go ahead. But just a quick, I mean, you touched on it a little bit, but like, why do you train at all? Like, what's the reason that you train? Like, maybe re-examine that because if you're so if you, out, if you just joined or whatever, the question, the original question was like, 
what are some some solutions to getting burned out when you're training yeah figure out yeah figure out why you started why you want to continue doing it and what's going to make you i mean because really there's there's no question that physical physical activity is extremely important for every single person and it looks it might look different for everyone and that's fine you don't uh you know not everyone has to squat five by five every week right you know so this, you know th certain things are very beneficial so the fundamentals of training that you should be doing are like, cause you want to have your health. You want to have good mental and emotional health too. So you want to have the overall physical and mental and emotional health. You should want to look pretty decent or whatever. Like, so that's always like an, inf even though we train for performance, like the physical, sometimes the aesthetic uh, result of that is nice. So like, if you want to just have a better body or what, like that could be a motivating factor for someone. And then they train for strength training in order and conditioning in order to accomplish that. But like, if you're fucking burned out, then like, if you're on, if you're always on programs, fuck around for like three weeks, like yeah. essentially deload, like curl, whatever. But I, when you come back, I think all training should be like, take your large muscle, muscle groups and your joints do a full range of motion. So squat, press, deadlift, bench, row. Uh, and then, uh, get balance in your musculature because if you don't have balance, then you're more susceptible to injuries. Mm -hmm. Take care of your single leg work. Single leg work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. Uh, usually the back side of the body is the limiting factor. So, like back or hamstrings or like glutes. If you have a, a weakness or you have an area that gives you trouble, figure out why. Like, do the appropriate mobility stuff. So, like taking care of the body in general. Like, like if you haven't learned good warm up and and uh, after training. Uh, you can take that if you need to, or learn, learn the appropriate things to train properly, but be like, dude, just do the fundamentals and then, uh, add in some conditioning. And like, if you're not having fun, figure out why. I do more. I, I think, and I knew that very early on, I couldn't do powerlifting forever because just squatting, benching and deadlifting is extremely boring to me. Yeah. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't excite me. But the cool thing about strongman is it's just. I mean, there are just hundreds of variations of all of these different events. So that kept me motivated for a long time. And, you know, Justin talked about competing. I don't even like, for a long time, I really cared about competing and really wanted to keep competing. Now I just enjoy training a lot more. And I, I still compete, but I don't really, I don't know. I, I guess I, you know, I use that as a, as like a goalpost and I work towards it. But ultimately, I just want to get as strong as I can over the course of my lifetime. There's no... There's no rush, you know, for me. Who's someone maybe asked? You, maybe you should. Uh... Maybe I should. Should I call these folks back? We have a uh, Sean Owen. I don't know if you remember Sean. Yeah, Sean's in the video from the February 2013. Chris said he hasn't warmed up in a, a year and a half. <laughs> oh, that's. I mean, I I really imagine Chris like walking into the gym like <laughs> awesome, and then just walking over to do a bench and just knocking out sets. What's the next question before you call? Oh, uh, the next question is let's talk talk about the doggies. Bring it over there. And Somebody talk said. Uh... What are the names of the dogs? Somebody said, what are the names of the dogs? So if you remember Lita, I haven't posted about this on social media because it was very uh, difficult for me, but I had to put Lita down in July of 17. Uh, she was a dog that was in all the videos, like at the Wichita Falls Athletic Club. It was like a video of Rip talking. It has a lot of views on my YouTube and like Lita walks in the background. Uh, so she essentially, I grew up with her. She was around me all the time. Uh, I had to put her down. She had lymphoma. And I, so I kept her around. She's on some prednisone for like six months. So I had to put her down, and then there's another dog around. Lily's still kicking, if anybody remembers. But, um, I'm going to pause the podcast, stand by. Uh, 
So those are the dogs. We're back on the podcast. Someone asked about 70s Big Merc, so we said we go to the Spreadshirt store. Took care of that. Someone asked about, are you ever going to podcast? And then they said, oh, wait, you just said a story about doing one. All right, here's a good one. You've run a really bad case of bicep tendonitis from low bar squats. Corrected my grip, improved mobility of the shoulders, inflammation still inhibiting. Plan to cut my squat frequency twice a week, down from three. Anything else you would you would do to help the situation? Well, yeah. first, oh, God. First, like, <clears throat> I wonder why that dude was squatting. I don't know how old that guy is. But, like, unless you're young and you're on a linear progression, you don't need to be squatting more than three times a week. Or you don't need to be squatting three times a week. Uh, twice a week is, like, if you're trying to aggressively push the squat. But we all get to an age where, like, you have to be cognizant of the total systemic stress you're placing on your body because it gets to a point where you chronically have too much of that shit. And it, it really starts fucking with not only the hormones and the body chemistry, but like it just makes training poopy. Um, so the first thing is like, why was he squatting three times a week? I think at the end he says like end of the LP. So I think he was on a linear progression. I, I Even guys that are on a linear progression that are, if you're 30 and above, I would never have you squat three times a week unless one of one or two of them, was lighter like bill star had this thing it was like you looked at your days as heavy medium or light days so i would never have like heavy medium medium or heavy heavy medium for like guys above 30 that would want light and medium days to if you're squatting if you're training three days they all can't be heavy and if they're all medium that's one thing but like one of them usually needs to be light so uh-huh. if he was squatting so that's that's the first thing is like it, regardless of what he's do, like he's obviously doing something weird mechanically but if he's squatting too often, then that well, could be a also, problem too. So low bar tends to be harder on the elbow, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and the stronger you get with it and the older you get, uh, you have to manage that frequency appropriately. So for me, I actually recently, you know, I, I low bar every Tuesday. I only started low barring again a year ago. I took four and a half years off from low barring while I was Big Mike. Because Big Mike was, uh, was high bar squatting, and I got up to, you know, high bar squatting over 600, which was cool. But... You know, when the belly went away, uh, you know, I, I went back to low bar. And, yeah, so the tendonitis, uh, you know, it, it would eh, it would be pretty acute. So I wouldn't say it was chronic because I managed it pretty well. Uh, but I actually considered just low barring every other week. And then on the on the other uh, – on the week I wasn't low barring doing, like, buffalo squat bar squats or, like, safety bar squats. I mean, you're going to get – it's not as specific, but you have to manage – the specificity and then the systemic stress, like you have to manage all those things. And they become very important when you're, when you get older. Cause when you're younger, you, like you said, you can do just about anything. You can, you can low bar three times a week. You could deadlift a couple times a week, bench a lot. Yeah. But overall, like going back to the volume thing or just the amount of work on your body as you age, you have to progress into it, obviously. Yep. So like that's progressive overload is a fundamental principle. If you like study any kind of programming, so it should always be like, what are you currently adapted to and slowly building up to it? I never had elbow issues. I haven't high barred since 2000. I've already low bar. Excuse low. me. I haven't low barred since 2010. Mm-hmm. Like I went to nationals and on being, a, I was adapted to low bar when I went to weightlifting nationals. And then my, what I started training for completely shifted away from weightlifting, even though I still weightlifted for a while. Um, I just don't low bar, but I have never had issues with squatting. So it's most likely due to uh, lever arms. Excuse me, not lever arms, but specifically like anthropometry, like arm length, yeah. humerus length with respect to elbow length. Like you've got long ass forearms. I remember from teaching you to power clean. 
And uh, so, like, if you have, if your forearms are longer relative to your humerus, then that might just be where you always have, um, you always, you might always just have like a fucking weird stress. Is it your medial? uh, Do you get on medial? Yeah. medial aspect of your elbow is that where you get it so that's the part that was the area that you would expect it like the uh the tennis elbow area um so i'd want to see it that that dude can i would probably go to mike because i'm going to be less responsive most likely than mike but if you send mike like a video yeah. or or something that he'll look at it and if it looks fucked up then he'll be able to like you can easily see right away in a video how someone is racked because if it's not if that bar if that's not if that bar is not on the on your rear delt going across the spine of your scapula in a very particular way. That's good podcasting right there with dog barks. If that, if that bar is not in the right spot on the back for a low bar, then you can, uh, you can run into some issues. So uh, someone in the chat, someone in the chat asked uh, something about like, I'm learning the Olympic lifts as I'm doing jujitsu. Should I get a coach? Like absolutely. Like, uh, there's, it's very, very, very difficult to coach yourselves on lifts. If you were going to try to do so and you're going to be uh, belligerent and not get a fucking coach, then I still like these videos Glenn Penley did. I think he was still at California Strength yeah. when he did them. But they're just like the fundamental lifts where he goes to like three positions and those three positions should be part of your warm-up every day and then those help substantially because I learned the lifts one way uh, and it was, they were pre- it was pretty inefficient and then uh, – then I kind of like learned Penlay's method. I kind of like taught myself, uh, but I would absolutely say like get a fucking coach. Cause like when you don't have a coach, then it's just, it's it, not only will you be improperly loading shit, which will lead to compli- potential complications like soft tissue or like joint issues. Uh, you just are going to have a bad time. Cause you're always going to be like, man, this is so hard when a coach can kind of give you the clarity. So just to clarify, you meant, was this specifically about weightlifting? Someone in the chat was like, I'm teaching myself weightlifting. I would never, never attempt to teach myself weightlifting. And this is also extremely hard to, it's been extremely hard for me to learn, but once you build those patterns that are garbage, they are so hard to unlearn. You have to have, you have to start with a good coach and take your time. Yeah, it goes for pretty much most things. Like if you learn bad habits, like oh. it can be in shooting, it can be especially in weightlifting, it can be really in anything where you're doing any kind of movement-based thing and you establish bad movement patterns, or you, like your motor pathway is uh, is consistently doing one thing, it's extremely difficult to relearn that thing. Like there's a, a little thing I do. And it's never been a problem for me, but I, I've, I've coached people that have strained stuff in their neck when pressing. But I, when I press, even though I could tell people not to do this when I coach them, like I would add like a little bit of head thing forward at the top. And uh, chronically, though, like from car accidents and football, I have neck problems. So I was like, I should probably not be doing this because I tell people all this all the time. And then my C-spine's moving under load. So it's very difficult for me, like especially when I'm pressing heavy, to like not have my neck like, just punch forward. Uh, so I like try and keep my chin back but it's i'm not being coached either i'm like doing it on my own i'm not even filming my shit so it's like never i I would even go so far as like regular squat bench dead like always get a coach like if you're if you've never gotten a coach then i would spend the time to drive to somewhere or to pay someone not just on the fucking internet because that's the big thing now to like actually have a good coach which 
there are not a lot of good coaches either, but like to actually get someone that can get eyes on your shit. And that's very important. And then it's Mike and I were talking about this yesterday, but like when you think about coaches, uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, doctors, uh, really any like professional job that's supposed to help you 50% of a graduating class is in the bottom half of the class. So 50% of the people that are in any kind of graduation for any kind of professional thing, half of them sucked enough where they weren't in the top half. So like, it's very difficult to find good physical therapists or at least ones that work with actual athletes, massage therapists, like even harder, like to find someone who will actually get into your tissues and do it properly. Chiropractors, coaches, especially. So like, I would even say that like, that only the top percent of any of those jobs are worth a fuck. And then of those that are worth kind of a fuck, probably less than one, like some arbitrary number of less than 1% is actually good at their fucking job. So finding that is very difficult and hopefully word of mouth can develop that. But like, I'm very particular about nutritionists and coaches and physical therapists and chiropractors because I, I know I like human anatomy. I don't know all of it, but I like physiology and anatomy. And when I basically ops test, like, uh, test people what their knowledge is before I ever work with them because if they're not if they're not very good then I don't want them to handle anything. So AC just texted me and said some guy in the parking lot of the gym just said, "Are you AC from 70s big?" And he said, "I responded with yes and don't ever speak to me again." I can almost guarantee he did not say that, but I think it's awesome that that guy said that. Are you AC from 70s big? Are you at, looking at the herniated disc question? Best lower body move for someone with herniated discs. Uh, just without explanation, what's yours? Just say the exercise. What's the best? Uh, if lower herniated, body exercise? Yeah, lower body exercise for herniated disc. What would what would you say without explanation? Belt squats? I was going to say like reverse hypers maybe. But is that, oh, in is terms it? of like loading the lower Oh, I don't know. I'm just like – I just threw an exercise out because that was the first thing that popped in my mind. Yeah, I mean I would, I would talk to a – Cairo and BT, that's good. And again, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to be, you know, to have found some uh, that I really trust. Like Dr. Jake Harden, I like him a lot. Uh, he helped me with some hip shift issues that I have. Like you but, talked to him personally? I went to his clinic in Orlando. Oh, cool. I, I, when I flew to see my I mom, like his I physical therapy stuff, but yeah. if I was going to be a very shallow, non-empathetic person, which I really am attempting to be empathetic and stuff, mm. he's just like a weird guy. He was a cool. He was a cool dude in person. I liked him a lot. Uh, cool. I, I'd like to meet him, but uh, he's big on Stuart McGill. So I would say, I would say with the, with any back issue with with herniated stuff or any any back issue period, like because a lot of there's a lot of pelvis related stuff that affects pain, like the PSIS, which is right in that SI, the sacroiliac uh, junction area, and then uh, then you have your like lumbar sacral kind of junction then you're like thoracic lumbar so there's usually those are the problem areas but 100 percent of the time consume Stuart mcgill stuff he's got like a book for uh the layman it's not just like he's got old, the gift of injury no uh, he's got he's got some no i think it's called backfit his website's backfit pro whatever it is it's like written for the layman it's not like a textbook well, there's that now there's that one now it's the gift of injury and then uh so learn how to properly brace mm -hmm. your spine so that's something that was left out of the early days of my coaching and like learning from people, there's certain types of uh, uh, teaching progressions for beginners. I would definitely have this as an inherent aspect of someone's uh, training and how to teach them to move properly, which is extending the, the T-spine and then bracing the lower abs to keep the trunk so that it's not hyperextending. Because you, 
I don't know how like you see flexion injuries when people round their back and like and uh, deadlifting, but you see a lot of like extension based injuries when people are overextending, pressing. pressing too. Yeah, and that's because of lack of shoulder mobility. But I'm getting I'm getting on a tangent, get, talking about that. But basically, learning how to brace the trunk properly, where it functions as a column. And then the only thing that moves is not the pelvis moving back and forth, but the the femurs attaching into there so that you're going into hip flexion and extension properly without the pelvis moving with respect to the trunk. That's wildly important. So like when I squat and I'm, I high bar squat, so I'm looking forward, uh, like before anything ever comes out of the rack, like anytime the bar moves, you should be pretending like it's 600 pounds or like your one rep max so that everything is braced. When I unrack it, I walk out. I don't ever lose the the structure and the in the trunk of the column of the trunk. Off. Yeah. And then as I go up and down, I'm keeping the tension on the lower abs. Like that's that's inherent in all the exercises I teach nowadays is from the beginning when someone's learning so that they don't revert into bad spinal habits. Cause that's usually what this shit has. But rucking with military guys, like if you are in the habit of rocking shoulders forward and like doing stupid, like shitty stuff in the spine that will over time grind you down to fucking dust. And that ruins people. Like I have a friend met him through this website, 2010, I think like he's met, he got med med boarded out of the army and uh, he's still having uh, spinal surgeries. Uh, It won't happen overnight, but it'll happen over time. Yeah. Hmm. Want to answer Jay's question? Uh, Jay, after he said, what's wrong with Wolfie said, uh, he's experiencing tightness in the anterior shoulder and bicep tendon area. Uh, it's prohibiting him from pressing, including benching without them clicking and getting irritated the next day. That is, that is those areas. What are some good mobility movements to undo the gnarliness in the region of the anterior shoulder? Oh, fuck. So like that. I have a topic written down for just physical therapy stuff like rehab slash PT, but like part of this goes into first, what are the mechanics? Because mm. if the mechanics are poor in particular with pressing, it's going to be a more internal rotation than an external rotation. Uh, the external rotation, both in the hips and the shoulders is going to distribute stuff properly and create more tension about the joint to allow better distribution of the forces and all the musculature. So basically what that means is when your external rotation or the elbows are not flared, then you are safer and better and stronger. Uh, so I want to know mechanics. Then I want to know frequency of training in a week. Like, and then that also, like, I want to know the programming because if they're not appropriate back exercises and congruence with pressing exercises, then, <laughs> then we're kind of failing. And I would even kind of push people. As... Jay's talking in the chat. So his clavicle gets tight and can actually pop like a knuckle first thing in the morning. So, I mean, if that's the case, I don't know why the clavicle, so you have sternocleidomastoid attaching on the clavicle, you have probably scalenes, uh, but then you have tightness around the shoulder, anterior shoulder. So, uh, going back to it is like I would even say that like your pulling exercises to include band stuff that would like be good for the rear uh, delt uh, rhomboid region and the area at the bottom of the scapula to pull them back and down, which is the lower traps and the serratus posterior inferior, I think is what that muscle is, uh, attaching on the inferior aspect of the scapula. Uh, that to include exercises, banded exercises, I would almost have like a two to one pulling to pressing ratio. I don't know what you do in your training. Like if you have balance in your musculature and you have balance with your mobility, then that's less of an issue, but an active way to like kind of protect the shoulders when you have anterior issues is to just do more of the rear, rear shoulder, rear back stuff. 
so the things that jump out are like, what are the mechanics? What is the guy? What's the guy's programming? And then uh, what's the guy's mobility stuff? And then from there, do you want to? Uh, I was just gonna say like, I don't know, something that I stole from Stan Efforting years ago was was about promoting blood flow to that area and finding pain-free movement and moving well through that uh, whatever whatever is pain-free, doing that correctly. Like don't don't continue to do something poorly just to do something. Like do a movement correctly, some sort of pressing variation, promote blood flow to that area and figure out the, the appropriate frequency for yeah. it. Because it might be just once a week and you might have to do some, you know, some unilateral stuff or, uh, yeah, something. Yeah, something. Uh, two things. Ben Clairdad yeah. just uh, said hi. Hi, Ben. Hi, hi, Ben. We were talking about. He said you, you look, fellas you fellas look, look good. good. Not as good as Ben. Weird. Not Mike and I were. He said we look good. Mike and I were talking about you last night uh, in a favorable way, of course. Uh, but uh, Jay in the chat said he's got two or even three to one pulling the pulling to pressing movements. So, uh, so I think that's a good point that Mike just made. Uh, when when there is injury or there is dysfunction, we have to do something to improve it, and that's going to typically move into rehab stuff. Because just doing the movement more when it's already hurt it does not help. Obviously, that's so. I as a there's someone that's a client or my patient, like I'm not going to have them continue doing the thing that hurts. So finding a movement that they can do in the interim is important. That's in addition to diagnosing and starting to treat the problem, and then getting into uh, the rehab slash prehab for that particular issue. Uh, so for shoulder stuff, like it's hard to say without any tests like, like back uh, stuff and shoulder stuff like, yeah. so I, I was tell i was telling chris about this because he had a client so i'll go ahead and talk about it like there's a beer can test for shoulder stuff it's it's not the only test it's just a very quick test that everybody can do they just need someone else you can put your thumbs up someone presses down do you have pain yes or no usually no turn your thumbs down press down and like the per the other person will push them down and if they have pain then there's usually some sort of superior aspect of the shoulder uh, pain so that's going to be uh, proximal uh, biceps is going to be supraspinatus because that comes into the same tendon attachment area as the proximal biceps. It can be uh, labral related. <clears throat> and then uh, there could even be like a bone spur. There's like four things that can be wrong in the superior aspect or the upper aspect of the shoulder. And uh, so if you do have stuff that's kind of in the shoulder, then you, you need work done. And like a professional is always better than not having any kind of professional lo uh, looking at it. So, um, but posterior distraction stuff should be part of it. It's usually subscap is going to be really tight. The subscapularis, which is your shoulder blades are like this on your back and on the anterior aspect or the front of the shoulder blade is the subscapularis. So working on that. <clears throat> Uh, which sometimes you can't always do. So like physical therapist, athletic trainer, or a good massage therapist can help. Jay said uh, he's got a, he had an MRI done. Usually, usually with this stuff, you don't really see blatant tears. You see like just degradation from something over time, or you have soft tissue stuff because of tightness. So uh, doing an appropriate amount of mobility work. So there. I think on the site I have three or five way shoulder. This is like from 2012, 13 time frame. But Kelly Starrett did like a five way shoulder. There's three of them in particular that I really like. Um, you got a band on a pull up bar and you have flexion and external rotation with the same side knee on the on the floor. So go check out YouTube and uh, I can link it uh, on the, on the Instagram if you guys are kind of confused on where it's at. But like flexion uh, with external rotation and then coming cross body so that it's the the arm is across your chest 
and then uh, you're allowing the shoulder blade to be pulled away from the spine. That'll kind of hit the rhomboid region. And then uh, turning away and almost doing like a warrior pose where the the arm is opening up all the fascia and the kind of anterior aspect of the chest. That may not help uh, Jay in this particular problem, but that's kind of like a catch-all that when I people do that for like two weeks straight, they almost always have improvement of mobility and like symptoms. And that's just like super easy to do. Doesn't really even require me doing manual therapy. And like it gets people, usually they have improvement. Like it's, I've never had anyone get worse and I've, everyone always improves when they actually fucking do it for every day for two weeks. So it's hard to say about what's going on with Jay's specific thing, but like interior shoulder stuff is janky. So like professional is better than not. And uh, uh, things that can be tight are pec minor, teres major, teres minor, subscapularis. Um, so generally speaking, a uh, the trigger point therapy hair handbook by Claire Davies is a great fucking reference that when you have pain in an area, you can start working on trigger points when you don't have access to these other things. And uh, yeah, bust that out. Uh, so knowing trigger, knowing musculoskeletal anatomy is, is key. And I think that if you're willing to spend five to 10 hours a week working on your body because you're training, then you should start kind of learning some basic anatomy because to take care of that body. Um, so knowing the trigger points is important. And then, uh, maintain, like always rolling your body with a rumble roller is very important. Uh, I think a rumble roller is like one of the best mobility tools, period. If you're only going to spend $60 on shit, then get a rumble roller and some lacrosse balls. Uh, so Mike brought this over. I think so musculoskeletal anatomy trigger points, which is just a fancy term for like where to work on a muscle to decrease the tone in it or like to, to like uh, neurologically influence the muscle or to even relieve tension on the fascia. Uh, but I, I've only mm, fucked around with this. I've only fucked around this thing today. This thing's expensive. It's the Theragun. Uh, that's we're the 2.0, so it's cheaper now. But still, nobody, still nobody's, we're not advertising this. Nobody's paying. I would definitely fucking sell it if they wanted to give me one. But uh, um, this is a gun. I've seen uh, these things in physical therapy clinics. Not this, but like a, a one that plugs in. It's metal and like you basically can just work. It's super loud. <laughs> Like a, a newer one that they made. It's like a wire. drill. But like putting this on uh, trigger points, like throughout the body, like there's a spot mid-thigh on the vastus lateralis, which is the lateral aspect near the IT band. Like working on that and just hitting some like that vastus medialis around the knee, like immediately can like just create or relieve some tension on either the IT or like the knee. And this thing's fucking cool. Like I, we're like... Uh, I got a little fired up doing this last night. Yeah, it's uh, on the back of my neck. It's like, and then you can hit like, I've only seen one thing that can really help the QL significantly if you're working on it by yourself and it's a Theracane and that's in the trigger point therapy handbook. I think I kind of, yeah, modif I, modif I modified the technique, but like this thing I'm holding, the Theragun is the only thing I've found that like, unless you're lying down on the ground with a fucking Theracane is the only thing that can really do anything on the quadrants. So you can do this. I mean, the quadratus. quickly, you can make, uh, yeah. you can feel quite a bit better. It's the quadratus lumborum, which sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Like, quadratus lumborum. And then, like, the guy's like, ah. He's got, like, he's got, like, a back thing. Uh, but. You can call on yours? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fuck. So, um, this gun's good. fucking sweet. Like, you can hit, you can hit most of the body in a minute or two. And, uh, there's, there's, um, hitting trigger points and acupuncture sites and stuff with, like, Primes things neurologically also. And this thing's so like, like so fucking violent with how it like pushes forward that you're, you're also doing something. I, I don't, maybe we understand this, but I'm going to explain it 
I'm going to, in what, how I think about it, which may not be entirely accurate or whatever, but like when you're getting that uh, pressure and that actual motion on muscles, like you're doing things neurologically that, that influence the actual tone of that muscle. So, uh, like it, you will, f like, it's possible to take an actuator or uh, activator, I think is what it's called. An actuator is probably a job or something, an activator in chiropractic stuff. And you click it and it, all it does is like, if you've been in a clinic and they like do something on your spine where it's a bigger machine, almost like that thing. And it's like pushing on the spinous processes. You can get a handheld one. You guys can't like you can, but like there's no use for you to do it, but you can like click that five times on a trigger point and it has like a neurological effect. And so I have a friend who's a chiropractor and he like clicks it around in certain acupuncture sites and just around the knee, like sometimes on the bone itself. And then the knee just feels more stable because you're like activating proprioceptors and shit like that. So uh, my, so someone's asked about the Theragun in the chat. That thing's like three hundred fucking dollars. Or something. I think it was, so it's it probably was, not. A, it's probably not. It was six hundred originally. Then it dropped to. I think they had a military discount for five, and then on Black Friday it was four hundred. So that that thing's expensive, but you, it's not. Re, that's just. I'm impressed with that, and I've only fucked around with it since uh, Mike has been here. Uh, another question, shall we? Yeah, a question from Ricky. Ricky said he asked it in Spanish on the feed, but so I would not have known what he was asking. But he said, "When squatting, Hold on, stop." Yeah, so explain, tell like briefly, like what you and Ricky do when someone new comes to the gym. Okay, so <laughs> when someone when someone new shows up to the gym, generally, uh, I mean, I'm I'm really big on messing with people, so I will have a conversation with Ricky while I speak English. He'll speak Spanish. And normally this lasts like 20 to 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, totally. And then we'll like look at the new person and they'll be like, I'll be, and then he'll. Hold on. It's important to emphasize yeah, yeah. that Ricky's speaking Spanish. You yes. have no idea yeah. what he's saying. I have no you, idea what he's saying. And, and Ricky's pretending like he doesn't know English. Uh, right? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we did that with, uh, with a guy who does uh, explosive <laughs> ordnance disposal. And if you've ever met someone who does EOD for a living, uh, they are not very proud of the movie Hurt Locker. And I don't know why it's a very good representation of their job and very realistic. So we're having this conversation and Ricky, you know, a lot of times Ricky will look at, look at this new person. And he'll be like, and I'll be like, yeah, he's pretty stout. Uh, so <laughs> this particular person, he was asking me, asking me to ask him what he did for a living. Uh, and I was like, oh, he does uh, like bomb disposal. And Ricky's like, so uh, the guy Curtis pulls up a picture and he shows it to him and it's a picture of like the bomb suit and Ricky goes oh Hurt Locker and I can't describe to you how much uh, the blood rushed from his face <laughs> and he was just like so disappointed he's like yeah I guess and at that point you know we told him we were just messing with him and he, he was like oh you guys got me good and then he, he we don't even call him uh, you know now we call him Kurt Locker <laughs> based, based on this experience oh when he met when he met mike to share that was great and a lot of you guys know who mike to share is uh we mike stopped by the house one night when he was driving through and we did we did that with mike and ricky's saying a bunch of stuff to me in spanish i'm not sure what he's saying but but he looks at mike and he's like because mike is a pretty stout dude and he looks at mike he's like oh, pectoralis <laughs> <laughs> and mike is just like yeah <laughs> And then when we told him we were messing with him, Mike was like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> didn't, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time. But not, now, now we, now with the cat's out of the bag, but, you know, people might start sharing our secret. 
But it's pretty it's pretty fun. Dude, it's pretty fun. Uh, Alright, what's Ricky's question? Ricky's question is, at what weight do you prefer to start adding a belt for squats? And for me, that's that's pretty easy to answer. I'd say somewhere around 80. I like a little bit of a heavier belt once I get about 80%. Maybe even, sometimes I'll, I'll even go a little bit heavier, but I'd like at about 80% if I'm really pushing it, if I'm trying to get, but if I'm trying to get more comfortable with the weights, and I don't know, I don't know if own the weight is the right way of putting it, but Confident enough with the weight, be like, yeah, I, I can do that beltless. I'm not going to be an idiot about it and be like, yeah, I'm going to go for 99% beltless and potentially hurt myself. But, <laughs> but sometimes, yeah, if I want to gain confidence with that weight and know that I can hit it any day of the week and maybe open uh, at a meet with that weight, yeah, I'll, I'll go for a beltless. But I'd say like 80%. I like to put a belt on about 80 So uh, the only – like so- – not this is not a caveat, but like if I'm ever tender in my lower back, sure, I'll even like wear the belt. Put a belt on. Yeah, I'll wear the yep. belt on. Like sometimes I'll wear it from, like after the set at 60k on a squat or something. Like I'll wear it at like, I mean I'm pretty weak right now, but I'll wear the belt a lot if uh, if I've got like tenderness. So and I really focus on bra- I put an overemphasis on bracing my trunk properly if I've got issues with my my lower back or my SI for some reason. Yeah, if your back is uh if your back is a little bit a little bit fired up, it's definitely and you're supposed to be doing something beltless, just put the belt on that day. Don't don't lift you with, with your ego. Every time that I've really lifted with my ego, that's when I get injured. Yeah. Uh, I know Mike was talking about with his clients or his team or whatever you want to call them that like he'll emphasize like he gives them an RPE, like do an eight point five or do an eight or seven, like to really try and stick to that. Uh because going balls to the wall all the time is how you get hurt. Mm-hmm. And actually, it was a Penley's gotten back to doing more podcasts, and I've told Justin that I listened to him on this, this weightlifting house podcast. But he talks about you have to have, you have to know. I don't know. I guess like well, some of my dad used to say when to hold and when to fold. Like you have to know. Okay, should I push it today or should I really just like throttle back? And once you get good with that, that's when you really start driving progress. Because if you feel amazing. Push it a little bit harder. I mean, if you if you can do it and have an accurate assessment and be like, I know I'm supposed to only hit 90% today, but like I'm on fire. Uh, hit 95. Like if you if you know if the risk versus reward factor, if you've assessed it. So I don't know, but that gets to that gets into really knowing yourself and really really being honest. Uh, it's really easy to put more weight on the bar. It's not quite as easy to, to take weight off. Unless you're on a very, very specific type of program that's preparing you for a very specific thing, Mm -hmm. then you have leeway in your training. Like if it says to hit 90 and you go in and like you're feeling shitty warming up because your back is janky from sleeping on it or because of something that happened at work, like that's the time to back off. But like unless you're doing something extremely specific, like you can go up when you feel good slightly and you can, or you should back off. You should always be conservative in training hundred percent of the time. Be yeah. conservative that, uh, if you are all have a layoff because you're very slightly sick, I, all the, I, all the fucking time I talk to people when they're sick <sighs> of how to get back into like a uh, training cause they want to like try and make progress, but you won't make progress if you do too much too soon. So like when someone's sick, I would literally have them do this light workout, light. This is over the course of a week, three workouts, like light, light, medium. Then the yeah. following work, the following week, medium. maybe even another light or like a medium, medium, then heavy. Yeah. Like then you're like, fuck, if I get sick, then I'm out of training for like two weeks. Like that's the way it is. 
and sometimes sometimes uh it's it's not about what you're necessarily hitting at a heavier load on the reg it's about the fact that you did consistent training the fact that you actually showed up and did a full body training session or whatever it is you like you did your you squatted that week sometimes that that is more important if you squat 50 times in the next year, that's more important than squatting heavy five of those times and getting fucked up the rest like the other times and not able to squat for two months at a time. It's more important to consistently train than it is to like put weight on the bar. And if you consistently train, then the weight will come. Uh, to, to end that question, maybe. Uh, last thing I'd maybe like to emphasize is that I'm not a particular fan of I deload every fourth week or I deload every sixth week. Like I have, I lay out a training cycle and I taper towards the end. And, you know, do the appropriate thing with the, the volume and the intensity. But life gives you deloads. So that's why I'm not big on, oh, the fourth week we're going to, you know, we're automatically going to reduce to this percentage or whatever if, if you don't need it. Uh, because that fifth week you could potentially get sick. And then you're, that sixth week you're recovering from it. So life is going to happen, especially if you're not, a, if you're a professional, things are different. Okay, I get it. Uh, but if your life is not revolving around training, uh, your car is going to break down. Uh, you know, someone's going to get sick. You're going to have to take a session off. So those are the times when you really need to, you know, you need to be honest with yourself and you need to be like, okay, I need to take a couple light days and then ease back into it. And especially when you, when you do not feel well, that is not the time to go for a PR. No one, no one is impressed when you take like, you know, like I, I want a ton of antibiotics, but uh, you know, I, I drank three bangs and I'm just going to go out there and hit some PRs. You're going to go out there and you're going to get hurt. You're not even going to feel it. You're just going to, you're going to, the next day you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, oh, I really shouldn't have done that. And then the next six months, you're going to be paying for that. No, not to beat this to death. I'm very particular about certain things. Yeah. If you're on fucking antibiotics or you're on a corticosteroid, <laughs> you should not even really be training. No. If anything, it's a light training session. Mm-hmm. Uh, that drives me nuts. Cause if you have something that is warranting you taking antibiotics, then like you have something that you're systemically trying to treat and your system is fucked up when you're on that. So I, I like to think about it like this. If you have a hundred credits, a hundred dollars to spend on recovery, you, life takes some of those dollars, those doll hairs, and you have to spend them uh, on certain things that might be like if you're sleeping shitty or stress, like mental, emotional stress will consume some of those things, uh, which is work or physical stuff you're doing at work. And then you have the actual training session you're doing. And so if you are, if you just spent 30 on actual being sick and then you have, you have 30 on being sick, you have 30 on, uh, just cause you have an, a, a newborn baby and you're not sleeping and you're, you're kind of stressed out and you have 30 on this and you only really have 10 to spend on training. And then you do something that, you know, arbitrarily requires like 25 credits, like you're overspending and that, that's how you get fucked up or that's just how you feel shitty. And that's how you decrease your, you fuck your hormones up your system. And so the, the biomarkers, if you were to take blood tests on a regular basis, will be indicative of that. Your, your total cholesterol, your uh, triglycerides, and your LDL and your HDL will change depending on like how shitty or not your training is or how, how uh, you're recovering from that or not. If you're not sleeping as well, that'll fuck your uh, blood levels up. Uh, so don't overspend on credits. It's always, always, always better to be conservative. And then if you're in your 20s, that's the time to like build your muscular and strength base because that'll last into your 30s. You just have to like manipulate the variables in a more tentative or careful way so that you don't fuck yourself up when you're like pretty much in your 30s on, a, on up.
So, so Sean is going to be here in like 15 minutes. So I say we do these last two questions that are very scientific. And then we... Uh, that one? Close well, let's do that one. And then let's let you talk about sleep because I know how important it is to get that message out. Okay. And we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. This, this one's arbitrary though. So this okay. this this question, do you want to read it or do you want to... Uh, could a low free testosterone level coupled with a normal test level be related to the fact that my hormone test was taken when the hormone test was taken when the athlete was recovering from a significant strength workout? Okay. I don't know if he's talking about himself or someone else. This is on the, the Facebook. Uh, they're basically asking, I think what I'm getting out of this is that uh, does a training session affect like you getting a blood test? Mm. And I was that's kind of why I started steering it towards that because I did see the question. Like, it can and it can't. Like sometimes, like things will push up the test temporarily, and sometimes they'll drop it temporarily. But uh, the normal you would expect stresses or not sleeping and bad food and inflammatory type food will fuck your blood marker, your biomarkers. It'll fuck them up, make them depressed or make them go down, whatever. And then doing those things right, sleeping, eating low inflammatory, uh, keeping your physical and mental uh, stress down um, via meditation and stuff like that, that'll help them go up. So like, I, I would need to refresh my, uh, knowledge of how like training affects test and cortisol because it does have a relationship. Like, uh, it can like test can temporarily go down and cortisol can go up. So yes, it's possible. If you did a very hard training session and then the next morning you did your fasted labs and you got, and your test was poopy as a result, then, then get it retested. So generally speaking, I would want like two or three days of no training leading into a, a blood test because I get them regularly. Uh, when I'll talk about that in a second, because, uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, I would have probably two or three days minimum of no training and then fast into it. And, uh, cause if I were to do an extremely hard training session, I would expect my shit to be fucked up. Uh, Instagram says I have 20 seconds remaining. Well, oh, cause I think you'd only do an hour. What's that like mean? That. An hour a day or an hour and one Live video pause reconnecting. Uh, let's start again. No. Can we do? Can we start live? Checking connection. Checking. Checking. We're now. We're back. Oh, but this is good podcasting. We left uh, that on for all that. Uh, <laughs> good podcast. Good host. Event someday. I do want podcasts to be a regular part of my life down the road. It won't be temporarily in life, but like eventually I'll know how to edit this stuff and do it a lot better. They can go. They'll be able to go back and watch this. Though, yeah, I shared the last one, and then people yeah. are rejoining this one. So anyway, uh, the fuck were we talking That's about? Question. Oh, so yeah, I would, I would have two or three days before blood tests. Blood tests are super important. And if you're not in a job that like gives them to you for free, then you're going to have to pay for them. So like have, make a point to make all your shit good so you can see where you're at. And then if you, for some reason, want the data when you, when you are shitty, do it that way. But if you do have a low test, I would always want to read, if you're like surprised by some of your markers, your biomarkers, then I would get another test because like what I want to see if it's like a patient or something, I'd be like, all right, that's interesting. I want to confirm or deny why that's the case. Is it because you've been training so much lately? Is that why your shit's fucked up? Or is that just where you're at? Uh, so I would, if there's something very odd or something very alarming to someone, just retest it. Wait a week or two, uh, set the conditions with two or three days of a good uh, quality life, and then see what the see if that influences the markers. Because uh, testosterone 
uh, is a good indicator of like what your systems as a guy is a good indicator of what your system's up to. Now, I, I could probably sell a lot of stuff and write a book about this and I will eventually. But like my testosterone was literally a thousand. My total testosterone was 997. And before that, uh, like six months before that, it was 947. It wasn't always like that. A, a few years ago, it was like in the 700s. But like, oh, you're naturally like you have a high test. Like that is not necessarily the case. It could be with me. But like I do things and I've lived a certain way since pretty much 2010 or 11 in order to try and have an effect on my testosterone. And I now have blood labs like maybe like in the last three years to kind of like reflect that. So Whatever I did, like I was consistently, I was in the 700s and the the decisions I make, and I am going to explain why I think these are the case, pushed me up to being above 900 consistently. So uh, again, my last one was literally 997 total testosterone. The free was uh, 18 or something like that. So there's a, there's sometimes you can see tests and I do a percentage or a ratio or whatever, but these are the things this is brief because I would like to do whether or not I'm with Mike or by myself. I'd like to do a video on this. That's kind of something I've been intending to do because writing articles kind of takes a long time when you're getting really in depth on things. But these are the things that I think are incredibly, incredibly important to having good biomarkers and like having good testosterone. Uh, and the first thing is sleep. The one thing that everybody can do that is going to have that is like steroids they don't have to pay any money. They don't have to, they don't have to like do something that disrupts their body in order to accomplish it. They have steroid like effects that helps literally every aspect of their physical health, mental health, and emotional health, literally every aspect of all those things. There is nothing, no debilitating factor from sleeping more, but that thing is sleep that that's going to influence all these things. So if I, if I, uh, like Sean is going to be here in a little bit. One time I was, I was rambling about this to him. I was like, name a piece of your body and I'll tell you how sleep improves it. And he's like, your toes, man. He literally said it like that. And I was like, God damn it. So like, but like there is a study, uh, and this is consistent in the literature that people type two diabetes, they put a CPAP machine on them cause you're fat you don't like breathe very well. Uh, CPAP machine, uh, opens your glottis, pushes air in. So you essentially you're getting uh, better breaths of air with more oxygen content because you're getting better breaths in. So your sleep is more restorative and their insulin sensitivity improved. They did nothing else with their diet. Nothing changed. They just improved their insulin sensitivity just from sleeping. That was just the, that's one example of how sleep can be extremely beneficial. If you want to get really nerdy into it, there's a really good podcast, Matthew Walker. I think he's been doing, he's a neuroscientist for like 25 years, been studying sleep that long. He was on Joe Rogan uh, last year, or yeah, last year. Looked that up and listened to that. Um, I've quoted it in my on the Twitter page, and then I think I posted the show notes once. The show notes alone, you just read those, and you're like, fuck. So the one thing everybody can do to have steroid-like effects on their training and their life is to sleep better. So some of the things that they do mentally is that wild improvements in your memory. Uh, you store memories better. Uh, emotionally, like I've been journaling since, uh, September, I think like, so consistently, like at least once a week I'm journaling and that's a whole different, uh, maybe podcast or conversation or whatever on like life changes in general. But, uh, when the, when I, I'm always getting kind of like how I feel my temperature gauge. And like, when I sleep more, I have a good night of sleep. There's a direct correlation between good sleep and feeling good emotionally. Because if you go into the day and you're kind of like, you feel shitty right when you wake up, like it's kind of easy to just emotionally not be as 
on or good or anything. And then uh, you're you're able to tackle different tasks much better or of whatever tasks you have to do when you sleep better. And then physically, all those systems I talked systems I talked about in the body earlier: skeletal, muscular, nervous, immune, respiratory, circulatory. They say nervous. I don't know. Uh, all of those things function more efficiently when you sleep more. So I'm going to briefly talk about some sleep hygiene stuff. I'm going to tell you what I do because Mike was amused at some of this last night. And I started doing this last year and had significant, significant effects. And again, I'm the guy with a thousand tests without taking steroids. Never been on steroids. I, my total testosterone is fucking 1,000, like 997. So not literally 1,000, but three nanograms per deciliter under it. So uh, you the there's a bunch of different things that I'm going to try to touch on. But like being on my phone is recording, but like being on your fucking phone, is something that makes your brain go like a hundred miles an hour. Like if you scroll through Instagram, you could see like, this is conservative in one minute, you could see 20 different pictures on 10 different topics. So your brain is like thinking about all these different things and it's blasted off into all these different shits. And then, then all of a sudden you're going to look at that and then get in bed. So not only is your, your mind fucking frazzled, but the exposure to blue and white light in your eyes is going to stab off the production of melatonin by three hours. So you are going to try and go to sleep. You might even fall asleep, but your, your quality sleep as a result of the hormone melatonin that your body makes endogenously in it is going to not be produced for three fucking hours until you're, until you're in the middle of the night of sleep. And some of you are only sleeping six hours a night. And I want to say that this is a direct quote. If I get it correct, Matthew Walker said, the number of people that can function on six hours of sleep or less expressed or rounded to the nearest whole number and expressed as a percent is zero. So like people are like, no, I can function on a less sleep. You cannot. You just don't know the difference because you're so shitty all the time. Shitty is your norm and you don't know what being a Superman is like. You don't know what being a thousand milligrams of tests or nanograms per deciliter of tests, you don't know what a thousand tests is like because you're hanging out at 300. So you have no frame, you're a small child walking in the middle of a movie, not knowing what's going on, which is from the big Lebowski. So, um, so the things that I'll do to prep is that in the summertime here in, where I live in Colorado, the sun goes down at like eight 30. So I was just like, boom, no more lights. I wasn't using white lights or any kind of soft light bulbs at all. Boom, no more lights. And I would use only red lights which is fucking weird. And if you live with people, then they're going to have to like adapt this, uh, adopt this uh, habit. But I have a red light in my room. Uh, Mike walked in and was like, oh, this is very, uh, only God forgives. Only God forgives <laughs> uh, so I only have red light. I will literally fucking walk around with a, with a red lens headlamp. If I'm in the kitchen still, because I poorly manage my time, I'll finish doing stuff in the kitchen. I have dimmers in my kitchen anyway. So I'll dim the lights if it's preparing to be red light time. And then if I go full on red light, then I'm doing stuff under headlamp in there. I used to hang a fucking red lamp, red lens headlamp in my shower. I've got an actual like hanging little light now, but I shower with a red light. I'm a fucking weirdo though, but I'm the one with a thousand mil, thousand test. So, so a controlling the exposure to light because Matthew Walker said the two things are circadian rhythm, so consistency in bedtime and wake up time, and light. Those are the two things. If you're gonna influence two things for your sleep, those are the two things. I would add on the third of just like what your brain is doing, getting ready for sleep. So a, the lights, lights go dim, the lights go down, use candles, dim your lights or go red light. So after a certain time, like I don't fucking like use any more lights. And then the phone, like the droid, uh, I, uh, 
operating system has like a like a filter. It's yellow, but there's still red in it. Or excuse me, it's not a red filter. Well, I guess what I'm saying is it's not like completely filtering out white and blue light and any kind of like fucking little screen or your TV that you're looking at in your face is a light bulb in your eyes. So like I'll do the, I have, there's an app called twilight. It makes everything red and you can control the dimness. So I'll dim it all the way down and then it's super red. And that's if I'm on the phone and then the certain, there's a certain time that I just like the phone's done, like no more phone because of the, uh, the wild brain effect it has of your brain being scattered, looking at the phone. So like you want to wind down mentally and emotionally before bed. So I recommend that once you're already prepped for bed and you've been using red light to read fiction right before bed, uh, I did my headlamp all the way down as low as it'll go on red and then I'll read. And that might be anywhere from five to sometimes an hour. If I get it, sometimes I'll get in bed at like eight or eight thirty, And then, uh, I'd like to be asleep before 10, but if I go to sleep at 10 and I don't have to get up till seven, like that's a long time. And so I'm not going to get in the or the Ura ring or whatever it's pronounced. Cause I have one, but that's how I track my sleep. So I know what my REM sleep and my deep sleep is. I know what my heart rate variability is. I'm not going to talk about that today. I know what my resting heart rate is. Those are important metrics. If you're going to be a weirdo and track the shit, but I know exactly how my sleep is and I know what facilitates it. So like drinking close to bedtime fucks it up. I don't really see a change for me, but like eating right before bed, a big meal that can fuck it up. Uh, temperature will fuck things up. So you want it to be ideally under 70 degrees, but the closer I'm, a, I'm weird. My house is at 60. Mike didn't like it. My house Not is that at, I didn't like it. I took a little getting my house is at 60 in the winter because otherwise it'd be on all the time, but I have a gas fireplace that runs. So like the, the room is nice and cool, uh, dark. I have like the rooms over there. I've got dark curtains everywhere. And then if I wake up and the sun's coming up, especially in the summer, I'll put like an eye mask on. So the, the light controlling thing is very important, uh, especially if it starts getting light at like five thirty six in the morning, like, unless you're going to wake up then, then you need to like, keep it dark. So winding down, no, uh, controlling the light exposure, no phone, and then reading a fucking book. Like when pe I've had tons of people, like I'm having trouble sleeping and this is, uh, can be work related or not. But if you're fucking like watching a movie with like in your face with a tablet or a phone, or you're looking at something and this is white and blue light flaring in my eyeballs, that's, you're not sleeping and you're not, you're not staying asleep because you're not allowing your melatonin to be produced naturally, uh, in order to have good quality sleep. So we're talking about labs and how to improve them or just total testosterone, uh, sleep is literally the thing that will help every fucking aspect of your life. Uh, and then there's some emotional things and mental things that we could talk about, like meditation and like learning how to be more empath empathetic person, all this other shit. But like sleep is the thing that will help literally every aspect of your physical, mental, and emotional health. And I think it's so important. And like, you need to be in bed minimum nine hours. You need to be like, you're asleep for nine hours. Cause I find that with my ring, if I'm like in bed, like I go to sleep for nine hours, the actual sleep time is closer to eight. It's usually one hour less than the time I'm actually asleep. So you're like, no, I got eight hours. Like that's going to be more like probably seven for most people. And like, and I'm like pretty fucking weird and consistent with how I sleep. And I still will get closer to one hour less of sleep than I'm actually like in bed. And that's not in bed reading. That's like once I actually go to sleep, cause you go through these sleep cycles and you wake up and the, and the ring shows that. And it shows the uh, the light and the REM and the deep sleep and it expresses the REM and the deep as a percentage. So I'm tracking the shit like a weirdo. And so the when I'm consistent, 
and I have a no shit. This is the time I'm like done with my phone. And this is the time I'm done with the lights. And this is the time of, this is my no later than time being asleep. And I do that consistently for a week. Like I'm like, I feel amazing. So that you don't need supplements. I, I, I wrote pre-workout down. We're not going to get into it. I think pre-workouts are fucking retarded. So the things that you can do for the, your health is just sleep more. And so it takes time or uh, time management, which Mike and I have been talking about a lot since he's been here. Time management and a commitment to sleep because it has an effect on your health. And just to some other side things, when you go through the day, your brain is normal. Your brain is metabolizing shit like normal. So you have uh, by inflammatory byproducts, and that can include the tau and amyloid beta cells that are associated with Alzheimer's. But so you have inflammation in your brain, and the only way inflammation in your brain, and it's a normal byproduct of metabolism. The only way you can clear that is by sleeping. So you literally like you can imagine there's fucking little dudes in your head and they're like, man, we got all this inflammation. And they like fucking the longer you're asleep, the more they can work. And then so if you don't sleep much or you're cutting it off or your sleep is erratic, they're erratic. They're like, oh, we weren't supposed to fucking start till an hour from now. Or like, oh, we were supposed to start four hours ago. And this asshole went to bed at two in the morning because he stayed up drinking. And now all the drinking monsters in here. So we can't do our job. So like I could do a kid analogy all day about this stuff. But like, uh, the brain is super important because the, in the, the brain is the center that's going to dictate how the hormones function elsewhere in the body. Cause you have the brain stem and like pituitary gland, they're going to control a lot of hormones and there's other hormones like down on the, like the adrenals and stuff. All that shit is controlled by the brain, obviously. So like if you don't take care of the brain, then not only are you going to suffer performance wise at work or in the gym or in sex or whatever, like all this shit is going to suffer when you don't sleep as well. I so I can't, I don't know. Like I feel like I'm beating the shit out of this. No, there's you, a dead can, horse on the. An hour for about there's a dead horse on the ground, and I'm just fucking like sleep more. Red Dead Redemption, beating the fuck out of it over and over. But like, it's it's the most monumental thing you can do for your training. Stop spending money on stupid shit. And briefly, I'll talk about this in another podcast. But if you're gonna spend money on supplements, it shouldn't be fucking pre workout because pre workout is fucking retarded. If you want to be on creatine, that's fine. But as far as low inflammatory things that facilitate these blood markers, it's gonna be fish oil probiotic with the right strains of bacteria, which you can, I would recommend getting this book, healthy gut, healthy you. If you want to learn more about that, uh, fish oil, probiotic, uh, a turmeric, a really good one is, uh, the curcumin from thorn research. It's kind of the gold standard nutrition companies and then vitamin D and you can get your vitamin D levels checked very easily. If they're not between 40 and 60 nanograms per deciliter, then you're wrong. Or in other words, if they're too low, then it's a pro-hormone. So it's going to facilitate your body functioning properly. And that's what we want to do. Low inflammatory diet, maybe a few supplements that uh, you could add to it. And then sleep is going to, are going to have monumental changes on how you can fucking do everything. And uh, that's something that has been a huge part of my life and a huge part of the things that I teach people in different areas of my life. And so... Uh, do you have anything to add on sleep? I'm really like, trained, or... bro. <laughs> Listen, I, yeah, I'm, ready, I'm ready to party. Justin and I haven't trained together in six years. So yeah. Sean should be here in like theoretically two minutes. So, and, uh, so, and there's, there are more people in here earlier. Different people have been in watching. And then uh, whoever ends up listening to this, uh, is it going to happen regularly? Like probably not in the near future, but uh, Mike and I have been talking about it. I do want to put out more content. I'm limited by a lot of different factors, but uh, I guess the more enthusiastic you guys are with interacting with it, then the more incentive I have to actually do it. 
But uh, I, we appreciate you listening or watching. Yeah. We're flattered that people would want to a listen or experience whatever we have to say. Or uh, people miss seventies, big bro. And then, uh, so appreciate you guys. Grateful for you listening and then wanting to to learn. Uh, I'll, I'll always continue doing things to try and synthesize information to push it out to you. And then, but we appreciate you. And uh, you can interact in like the comments of this stuff. Uh, we'll we'll look at them. But uh, we appreciate you. We love you. I love you. Mm-hmm. Me too. We love those dogs. And we're gonna go train. So. Hi, girls. Rock and roll. Boom. That's good. Oh, I guess we should. Oh, we got to turn the podcast off. I'll get it.